0: fellow watch lovers, nerds, enthusiasts, or however you identify. You're listening to 40 and 20, the Watch Clicker podcast with your hosts, Andrew and my good friend Everett. Here, we talk about watches, food, drinks, life, and other things we like. Everett,
1: how are you? I'm good. Andrew, I have a question. Isn't the Red Hook Brewery out of Seattle? Yeah. So why does this can say, "Yes, sure, you betcha? I I don't understand why. I have no
0: answer for you. I don't get it. But they're out of Seattle and this Big Ballard Imperial IPA is delightful.
1: Yeah, maybe that's like uh
0: I don't know what Big Ballard means, but maybe it's, it's got Big like Ballard
1: a, is a yesh or sure, you betcha type of thing. Perhaps. It's like a that's like a North Dakotaism or something, isn't well, it? I
0: would, I'd attribute it closer to like Wisconsin,
1: but you betcha. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. I don't know. All right. It's good, it's good uh, drinking beer. I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Uh today was my Saturday. We I we don't normally record we don't normally record on the weekend.
0: On your weekend? No. Huh?
1: Yeah, that's right. For me. Yeah. So it's been I, a
0: long time since we've done a Saturday or Sunday recording.
1: I feel particularly relaxed tonight. No, yeah, that's how I usually feel. Yeah. I usually feel like, oh my God, I just, that's how I normally feel. Which is how you feel now.
0: It's just less gaggy.
1: No, I don't even feel, no, I feel like so chill, man. I like, I, you know, you were home alone all day, though. I prepped the show. I played some iPhone games. I watched a Netflix series about a vegan restaurant tour who got scammed by a guy. And I think that it's supposed to be really sympathetic to her. And I'm, But I'm also like, this lady's a fucking idiot. Uh, I play
0: stupid games.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, it was just like a super chill and relaxed day. I was home alone. Yeah. The yeah. family drove up to Portland. So it was like just me those are the best days and the tv uh and this prep this this was uh i'd say this episode was a little longer to prep than some of them because we wanted to have some notes and uh but that was nice it was like a nice relaxed pace
0: that's what i like
1: the prep was a relaxed pace but yeah andrew how are you
0: i'm frazzled (laughs) we leave for disneyland in the morning and today was a day. I got off work at three AM and I decided to I left work early. And on January twenty eighth, I scheduled an automobile reservation and got a confirmation. I left work at three AM this morning. At eight fifty-five I was woken up by a phone call. Hey Andrew, this is Garrett with Enterprise. Um So we're, uh, here's the thing, man. We don't have your car. And frankly, I don't know if we're going to. And then he kind of gave me the explanations for why, like excuses, but the explanations for why. And it's because Enterprise does a lot of uh, like insurance rentals. Like they rent out their preferred rental agency for insurance companies so when people have their car getting worked on their insurance pays for them to get a car through enterprise and sometimes repairs take longer than are expected so i i accept that but also as somebody who has done a lot of logistics planning and supply chain planning that's not an acceptable answer to me so here i am at nine o'clock without a car to take to disneyland in the so today was a little bit of a scramble. We we have a car because we neither of our cars are really long road trip friendly cars. And uh, so we decided to rent. We have a car in the driveway. Spent the whole day packing and cleaning the house because for some reason when we go on vacation, we clean the house as if we expect company. Yeah, that's nice though to come back to a neat house. It's nice. I get that. But not... At the expense of completing your packing tasks. And that was a little bit of our day. So I just, I had a long, a long day and I'm a little sleepy, but we're drinking beer. We are 95% packed. (laughs) (laughs) Everything just needs to go in the car. Yeah. Like suitcases zipped, loaded in the car. Out out the door. Yeah.
1: Coffee pots scheduled to brew. Money. We're good to go. Your money. You're so fucking money.
0: Yes. And we're going to drive to Disneyland tomorrow. Spend the week at Disneyland getting sunburnt
1: and waiting in lines. It's going to be great. Do you, you're, you can program your coffee pot? Yes. So I cannot program my coffee pot. And I think that there are some really easy <laughs> solutions to this, but I think. Get up earlier? Yes. I think instead what I'm going to do is something overly complex like buy a Raspberry Pi and program it with a screen to be like a coffee pot <laughs> controller why not yeah why not maybe i'll do it like to all the outlets in the kitchen or something so i can turn things on or off at my will you should be able to yeah i mean a raspberry pi is the right answer for that it's the totally wrong answer but i think it will be fun (laughs) no Uh, that's the right answer that's like that's exactly (laughs) what that shit's for uh yeah uh we're going to talk about, we're, we're talking about watches today. We are, and early too. We're only six minutes in. We're six, and that's like, you guys look, that's early. Like some people are probably going to miss some of the show because they're going to go like eight, eight and a half, nine minutes in. 15 minutes. Right? <laughs> we're going to talk about a watch company that I, I like. I think that everyone likes, and even the people that don't like it, I think are secret likers. Yeah, you know, uh, so Doxa is the company we're talking about today, and uh, I you don't hear a lot of bad things about Doxa, although I will say uh, mm-hmm. I was talking to someone about the show today, someone that's near and dear to us, and they said something like, fuck that company or mm-hmm. something like that, and then didn't ever fill me in on that. Yeah. Uh, so i I don't know. Uh, apparently, there are some people that have problems with doxa. I think that they some of the things we're gonna talk about today have left a sour thing sour taste in people's mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll get to that. I'm getting ahead I, of myself.
0: I, I think there are some some really fair critiques of doxa, but I don't know if those critiques are at least for me, rise to the level of being sufficient for dislike.
1: Yeah, sure. Yeah. well, we'll get I, into it. we're We're gonna start. Yeah, you know, I I pretty much try not to like or dislike things like brands, but it's inevitable. There are some brands that I don't like. Right. (laughs) I just, just, I don't like that. And, you know, it's going to happen. It's human nature. And it's kind of like, if if we can't like or dislike brands, what are we doing here? And it's like sports. If you can't hate sports teams that are not your sports team, then what's the point? Yeah, everyone should hate the Huskies.
0: That's just like that... That's like a, a, a prerequisite for
1: existence. And you don't mean Yukon. Yukon, you're
0: cool. Yeah, no,
1: Yukon's fine. Yukon, I mean, you're I mean cool. mean the,
0: the Washington Huskies.
1: Y- you're cool. You suck. Yeah. You're cool.
0: You're cool. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> so Doxa.
1: Doxa, what is it? It's
0: a watch brand. Right? They make a couple watches. They do. And they've done it about the same since 1973.
1: <laughs> so Doxa's a Swiss watch company. I think officially now, Montres Doxa S. Period A. Period Montres being watches. I'm 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 probably uh, butchering that, but I think it's close enough. Uh, Montre. Montre Montre. Yeah, yeah. You got to get more H sound in the E S. Doxa watches. Uh, <clears throat> founded in the 19th century. Founded in 1889 by Georges. I think this is actually pronounced Dukamen, believe it or not. I think it's Duckaman. <laughs> George Ducamen. Yeah. And Lalacle. Which yeah. is a pretty serious the Mecca. watch place. Right. So Lalacle is in the Jura Mountains watch valley, which is home to everyone. Rolex, Omega, Tits Out. Lalacle. Exactly. So so end of the nineteenth century, they're founded in Mecca. Watch Mecca. Yeah. And then they kind of just coast, right? I mean, they're a serious player. In nineteen oh eight, Ducoman patents a so I think he applies for a patent in, in 1907. And gets a patent for an eight-day movement, which there's lots of eight-day mechanical movements, particularly pocket watch movements. Mm-hmm. Uh, Panerai famously has an eight-day. They don't they don't put it in pocket watches. They put it in just Panerai's because
0: which are the same size as pocket watches. <laughs> they just they put a strap on it instead of a chain. as
1: you do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so th- in 1908, Dukamon patents this eight-day movement, which gets uh, used in pocket watches but also notably in dash timers in auto the auto industry so they quickly get picked up by a bunch of sort of high-end manufacturers of vehicles notably bugatti picks them up and kind of makes them their exclusive dash timer so Docs is in it they're making very nice pocket watches high-end pocket watches a smaller scale than some of the other brands at the time and they're making dash timers lots of them they got a cush deal with bugatti Yeah, <laughs> that's right yeah and then they just kind of float so you know for the next 50 60 years uh Dox is coasting they're in the epicenter so so both in terms of or you know in terms of their geography the spirit of the company, their the function of their company, they're really in the mix of things. But you know, some of the companies we've talked about on this show are doing really sort of crazy, cool things during this time. And I think Doxa is more just kind of in it. Oh, I I think Doxa at this point is, is sort of incidentally a watch
0: brand. They found their niche in dash timers, and they were they were almost a they were less a oh, oh, orology company than a component company for dash timers. That's the cash cow. I mean, they're still yeah. producing watches. They're still, they're still involved. They're still in this, the, the garden of, of life mm-hmm. for watches, but that doesn't, that's not their focus.
1: Yeah. Well, and, and they, they are, so they may, they're not at the time producing crazy cool watches. They are producing wonderful watches and they win several awards, uh, but they are involved in the horology industry. So Ducomen is at the time, I think at one point, he's the president of the International Horology Society. He's president of the Swiss Horology Society. So he's in the mix, and he's he is very much a part of that political world. I, I guess not exactly political, but definitely in the, the world of the industry management. Mm-hmm. They continue to make dash instruments, continue to make pocket watches, which evolves into dress watches. And some fun artsy stuff too. Particularly in the 60s, Duxus starts making kind of cool, fun, but still, you know, luxury watches. Mm-hmm. Do Common dies in in 1936, I think. At the That's age what the notes say. <laughs> at the age of 68. And the brand gets taken over by Jacques Nardin, who is the grandson of Ulysses Nardin. This industry is so incestuous. (laughs) And Jacques Nardin is, I think, the son-in-law of George Dukamen. Yes. So, yeah, right.
0: It's like... Everyone's just fucking each other and (laughs) popping out kids to take over the... Just the the not the industry, but the uh, the empires. That's right.
1: Yeah, definitely some some family, some, some like daughter trading going on or something,
0: which is smart. I mean, you're, that saves a lot on R and D, right? And
1: I get it. And so nothing really, nothing really happens with Doxa from you know 1908 to 1967. A lot of things happen, but it's nothing that I'm going to talk about today.
0: There's nothing revolutionary. That's right. There's nothing game-changing. There's nothing even exactly iconic. It's just a
1: perfectly great, under-the-radar brand. That's a good way to say it, Andrew. Perfectly great. Yeah. And not notable. Yeah. Not notable here 80 to 100 years later. However, it all changes in 1967 when doxa introduces a watch we all know today everybody knows what a doxa sub 300t is and if you don't know the reference that's
0: the watch you think of when you think of doxa that's right
1: <laughs> it's virtually unchanged and, and and that also goes for like the 1500 and the yeah. 4000 and the 600 and yeah they're all the same watch and that is the watch you know
0: sometimes they come in black <laughs>
1: So, this is one of the first watches that really gets designed from the ground up as a diver's watch. Uh, There are other, you know, this is 67. So, we're kind of late in the game now, right? Mm -hmm. 50 Fathoms is 53. Mm -hmm. The Submariner is 54. So, we're like 15 years later. We're well into the game. Yep. Um, But when you go back and look at it, the 50 Fathoms, the Submariner, these are really professional tools for a professional industry. In the 50s, diving is a professional industry. By the mid 60s, you you know, I think that the Aqualung gets invented in the late 40s. Mm -hmm. The wetsuit in the first part of the 50s. By the time you get into the mid-60s, there's this democratization of the diving industry, right? So things have become cheaper, more accessible, Mm -hmm. and there's this new found consumer recreational hobby. So prior to the 60s, you couldn't scuba dive. You couldn't go to your local community center or harbor and take a scuba diving class because it didn't exist. Yeah. People didn't have the red flag on the back of their car. I hate seeing those. <laughs> there was no, there just, it didn't exist. And so what's happening here is you're seeing a brand new sport, a brand new hobby, I guess. And it's crazy. We just talked about this a few weeks ago.
0: Yeah, and you're seeing all the ass of marketing. Yeah. And I you look at Rolex ads from these from this era and and i i use rolex as an example because they had an extensive serve or they have extensive surviving print marketing from this era that's if you're gonna do this you're gonna wear a rolex and there are things like scuba diving and snorkeling and just your your average what we would now consider to be your average adventure activities you'd wear a rolex so you have this democratization of this hobby, but also this huge push behind get watches on people for the idea of the lifestyle
1: that that watch is going to bring. I'm trying to think of something to compare it to. Have we ever seen anything like this in our in our lives, our short lives because we're very young people? Um, you know, a brand new sort of take the world over hobby. I mean, I mean, maybe snowboarding. To a certain extent, skateboarding maybe when we were kids, TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> but right, so it's that kind of thing, you know. Maybe esports. I, I know it doesn't feel exactly the same, but um, you know, you you. I think s- adventure sports are are really like largely
0: our generation's thing. But and, this is know, adventure downhill sports. mountain biking.
1: But but I think you know you, you yeah I I think just advancements in adventure sports. Yeah. So it, it's this is a brand new thing, right? And it's this commercial thing turned hobby thing. And everybody's like, that's really cool. And space is happening at the same time, right? Yep. We're, we're both going up and we're going down all at the same time. And there are a ton of marketing opportunities here. Mm-hmm. There's clothing, there's equipment, there's people, there's television opportunities, mm-hmm. Um, and watches are a are player, so we've talked about space, and, and very recently we talked about watches, particularly the Rolex Deep Sea Dweller mm-hmm. and the Doxa, the Conquistador, introduced a few years later with the helium release valve. So this is happening, and Doxa unveils their 300T. Uh, alongside a billion other watches, right? I mean, there's just a ton of watches that get released that are all doing kind of the same thing by the mid sixties. Everybody's playing catch up with Rolex Mm -hmm. and with, uh, the 50 fathoms. Uh, but everybody's there. Seiko's there. Uh, the Japanese are there. The Swiss are there. The Americans are starting to get there. Mm -hmm. Um, But for whatever reason, Doxa shows up and is instantly a hit. Jacques Cousteau picks him up, uh, probably more than anything, responsible for Doxa's legacy. Yeah. Jacques Cousteau picks him up and instantly falls in love and becomes the sole, the exclusive distributor of Doxa in the United States. So the Aqualung logo that we all associate with Doxa watches, that's Jacques Cousteau's Logo, right? Because Jacques Cousteau being part of the company and and perhaps one of the inventors of the Aqualung. um, Dirk Pitt, the you you know a <laughs> yeah. couple years later, obviously, but not too many years later, uh, the U.S. Navy Sea Labs divers, it, it's instantly in the mix, and it's in the mix in a big way, probably more so than any other watch besides the sub at the time. Yeah. You, you know, there, there's other watches that are in the game. Panerai obviously is doing its thing, um, particularly with the military. But Dux is in it, supplying the Swiss Army. Dirk Pitt's wearing them on adventures. Jacques Cousteau's wearing them on adventures. And that's that's the big
0: thing is is this is sort of the origin of brand ambassadors. Yeah, selling
1: watches. Yeah, yeah. Between Everest, space, yeah, and scuba diving. Yeah. yeah. Um. But it's an interesting watch. It's not just uh, a marketing thing. This is an interesting watch. Uh, the orange dial. Mm-hmm. Docs are famous for the orange dial because in testing, they found it was more visible in murky water. So shocking. They theorize <laughs> that, you know, it's better to see at at depth, which I think maybe is partially debunked, at least partially debunked at this time. But also that dual time bezel mm-hmm. that we talked about a few weeks ago with the no deco u.s navy sea labs no deco scale printed on it it's a cool it's a cool watch one of the very first spring loaded divers extension clasps Mm -hmm. they made this watch for diving for divers so where where some of the other watches in the industry were sort of modifications of existing platforms this is designed from the ground up to be a dive watch and it's the shit man it's the shit for about 10 years. <laughs> yeah. Their, their timing was a touch off. <laughs> and so we all know what happens next. Is it the courts crisis? It, it is. You, yeah, it is the courts crisis. That's what happens next. Which,
0: which isn't great.
1: <laughs> I think it's basically not great for anybody, right? That was pretty okay for Seiko. Uh Yeah. No, you make a good point. But that's about it. Right. Less good for, let's say, All the brands have died. Yeah. Wall them. And, you know, <laughs> take your pick. And Doxa. Yeah. So as the courts crisis is sort of developing, um, the writing is on the wall for these companies. And Doxa is one of a handful of companies that gets acquired by this company called Synchron in switzerland synchron is a group basically set up to salvage watch brands Mm -hmm. um cut costs share costs and technology across brands and perhaps save some of these brands so i think sima sima kyma sure sima doxa ernest burrell and a handful of other companies smaller companies yeah all get bought by this company called Synchron, who's really meant to sort of save these save the bacon of these of these companies. Just be Swatch group if they weather the crisis. Now Synchron sounds familiar to you. There's good reason for that. Just hold your yep. hold your questions. Put your hand down. I'll get back to it. So Synchron buys these companies and continues to make their watches. So there is a synchron era of doxa watches. And they're largely the same. but Because mm-hmm. they have, they buy the whole catalog. They buy everything. But it's a short period. It's only a handful of years. I want to say two or three years at the most. Uh, and eventually, in 1980, the writing's on the wall. Experiment fails. Synchron sells off all of its assets, including the Synchron brand. And the whole thing collapses. Womp womp. <laughs> No more Doxa, yep. no more Spirrell, no more SEMA. I think at that point SEMA had already been sold to someone else. Um, but these brands are dead, functionally speaking. Go down to the, go down to the Piggly Wiggly and buy yourself,
0: buy them by the pallet because they're <laughs> they're clearing them out. Yeah, <laughs> and that's it. That's the end of the story. Yeah. Until. Until. Until 1997.
1: 1997 was a good year. That, so that was the f- summer of my freshman year. That's when I was born. 1997, yeah. Yeah, yeah you're a baby. That was the <laughs> summer of my freshman year in high school. So it was like the first summer of high school. And it was like Oh, and you were just cool as fuck, too. You knew I it. was not cool, but but my life had changed. I had newfound independence. Mm-hmm. And so I remember this very well. When when the Yenyi when, when the Yenny family yeah. purchased the Doxa brand. What do you think they bought it? Do you think it was like, like a flea market? And it's just like a
0: <laughs> like a sticker? Like a <laughs>
1: Brand registry, like a paperwork. A I, I don't know.
0: That's something that I've, that I've I've always been curious about, like zombie brand. Where do you buy these things?
1: Yeah, and who do you buy them from? You know, we talked to uh, we talked to Rich, Time Titans um, of Wellsboro of Wellsboro on the show about this, and it, for him, I think it was just a matter of finding an old watch, wondering where the brand went hunting it down realizing that nobody really wanted it owned it and taking possession of it and just finders keepers i mean <laughs> perhaps right perhaps uh i don't think i don't get the feeling that that's what happened with the Yenny family and and ducks i no, think i'm they, sure they had
0: to buy it from somebody who just like
1: they bought it from a holding company it was just sitting in
0: a holding company and they're like yeah wh- why do you want to buy that Sure. <laughs> it's all yours. Regrets now. I'm sure that they let it go for what they did. But uh, yeah, they they went out and they finders keepers it. And now we got Lazarus Doxa. <laughs> That's right.
1: That's right. So uh, I think uh, the Yenny family is one of these swiss groups that always gets referred to like in fact you never hear anybody's name it's always the yenny family right oh the yenny family this yenny i'm sure nobody even knows any of them they they all the everything occurs through their spokesperson and lawyer but it's just this really vague group that when you hear the yenny family it it for me it, it makes me think well i should know i should know who you're talking about right but i don't and and you probably won't find a lot of information about the individuals and i think maybe that's the point this is a holding company that acts in concert typically Swiss in terms of the amount of transparency there is publicly about the company. Uh, I did find some stuff about the Yenny family, though. Okay, so this is an old this is an old company, not an old company, but not a new company. So in its current iteration, started in the sixties, uh, and and it was basic. It's basically a early sixties it's basically a white label manufacturer of dive watches starting in the sixties and going on. So it started by one of the sons. Um, but the family has been in the watch industry for decades before that. And they're making watches in the sixties and seventies for, they're kind of like chronograph Swiss, right? Mm-hmm. They're making watches for Fortis, Olicon Waz, aqua dive. Wash, wash, wash Olic, and Wadges.
0: <laughs> Olic and wedgies.
1: Yep. <laughs> They're actually the first company to make a thousand meter dive watch, notably under the Jenny brand, Yenny brand. I'm gonna yeah. say Jenny. I cause I like the Jenny brand. Jenny. But, yeah, Yenny. Uh. Yeah, and today. Doxa is the Yenny family. So the Yenny family makes Doxa n- not a lot more, right? Doxa is the Yenny family and vice versa. Mm-hmm. They do have the Yenny brand alive, but just barely. I'm sure they're still a huge manufacturer in the region. I, they may still be making white label watches. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sure there's still a huge OEM. And that's it, man. So Doxa's back. It's resurrected. It's up. 2002, Dux is back, and then Dux is 600, and then 1,500, and then 4,000, and then 200, and, and then, and then, and then, all, and then. All these
0: iterations of a watch that it you can't really tell the difference but for the print on the dial.
1: Hugely popular, mm-hmm. well-made, nice wearing. They wear big, but they're nice wearing. Which tracks they haven't changed but for size since
0: 1967.
1: <laughs> and I think for most people who got into watches when we did, it probably feels a little bit like Doxa's always been there. A little bit. But Doxa is Tornik Rayville. Yeah. 20 years ago. Like, oh, what? Doxa? Oh, is that, is that Doxa? Oh, no, it's not Doxa. It's somebody else. Because okay. there's there's...
0: I mean, almost a 20-year absence yeah. from the market.
1: This well-established legacy brand. E- even a little bit more than 20 years. So really, last Doxas really get made in this like 78, 79, mm-hmm. and the new Doxas don't get released until 2002. So 23, yeah. 24 years. Yeah. of just absence. Yeah, that's
0: right. I want
1: a vintage Doxa.
0: Yeah. I want like one of the last runs. Like a Synchron Era Doxa. I never thought I would say I wanted Doxa and and now I'm...
1: Well, I want one. I I want a Doxa. I've always wanted a Doxa. You have. Uh, So Doxa is interesting in a few ways to me. So one, most people I think think that Doxa only makes the subs and they don't. Doxa makes a bunch of different watches presently under Mm -hmm. the Doxa brand. You can't really buy them in the United States. Um, maybe you can. I don't know. I don't. I don't think that there are distributors. But Doxa makes a bucket load of watches. They make pilots' watches and dress watches and Art Deco watches. Um, I don't know if they presently sell all of those, but there is a big line of Doxas. Yeah, they're a full, fully
0: like fleshed-out watch company with. A yeah. really,
1: really popular flagship. With a really popular flagship. That's right. Uh, so what to note about Doxas? Uh I think that the only thing I really want to note that you can't tell by looking at them because you can see almost everything you need to see just by looking at this watch. It's a big, chunky, broad-sided tonneau case diver. But you may have noticed people talking about a Doxa Professional, a Doxa Sea Rambler, mm. Doxa is the only, and, and that doesn't mean, so a Doxa Professional and a Doxa Sea Rambler may be the same exact watch with a different colored dial. That's exactly what we're dealing with here. Right. But i That's the only company I can think of that does that. So if I want a Doxa Professional, I can get the Doxa Professional in all across the range. I can't think of another company that does that. No, because everyone has the
0: take your pick green. That's right. <laughs> take your pick blue. Yeah, yeah.
1: Can you run us through what the colors are?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I'm sorry, I was looking at their catalog, like their
1: vintage catalog on Chrono Twenty Four. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, some of these old, some of the pre 80s or you know the 70s and before dots is kind of cool. So,
0: it, and maybe this is just this is the the name
1: of the watch. You have got your model, your
0: reference number. So we're gonna go 300t, 300T. Your 300T. And then that suffix is your colorway, and every colorway they're naming, they have a naming convention to go along with it. The professional is the iconic Dirt Pit Orange Dial, which speaks to how they felt about their orange dial. That's right. That's this is what the pros wear: Shark
1: Hunter Black Dial. That's my favorite of all of those. Interesting. I would have I would have pegged you as a pro guy. Yeah. No, nope, I'm a
0: shark hunter. I yeah. just pegged you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> your sea rambler, silver, the metallic silver that that like re like uh, chrome almost is is like close to chrome silver. Now this is a word that I I think I maybe avoided saying on this podcast for a reason.
1: Caribbean. I think Caribbean or Caribbean is fine. What do you say? I'd say Caribbean. Of course, she would say that. <laughs> I don't know. I don't understand. why I don't understand I think the difference. Caribbean Sea, maybe,
0: but Caribbean. I'm gonna go to the Caribbean and and sit on and look at the Caribbean Sea from my deck. I'm like, what? That's stupid. Yeah, I don't know. I, I would say
1: you don't have to worry too much about
0: that. I'm worried. Uh, blue faced. So so the Caribbean. That beautiful
1: yes. ocean blue.
0: Yes, which is really fitting. Diving star, <laughs> yellow faced. Which I mean, th- these naming conventions are like really well thought out. Yeah, I kind of like them. Aquamarine, less
1: less amazingly sh- thought out.
0: Shocking, <laughs> turquoise, and the white pearl, white. So the, the last all one two,
1: word, white pearl, all one word.
0: Yeah, white pearl. <laughs> uh, so the last two, they they sort of ran out of their creativity. But uh, I don't know. I, I I mean, you're nailing it. There's nobody else that does that
1: yeah i don't think is a so. weird thing to do y- yeah well i don't know I, I mean it's why not just have the doxa pro in six colors it, it's different it's different and they just do it and there's no explanation and i like shit like that like <laughs> well, why why do you do that well, i don't know It's just how we do it and everybody accepts it and it's cool and it's fine i kind of like stuff like that and it's not
0: it's not like antiquated it's still how the references are referred to
1: yeah, that's that's actually what they do. Andrew, do you think that there is so that could be where we stopped the show?
0: It'd be easy to stop the show there.
1: If we stopped the show there, do you think people would? I, I think there's a handful of people that listen to the show that would shit their pants.
0: Yeah, because there's some there's some questions still floating out there. Man, there is because we missed some stuff. There is a fourteen karat solid rose gold dress watch on chrono for 675
1: 675 yeah buy it look at it buy oh hang on it's beautiful hold on we're gonna watch up with you <laughs> listening oh that is really pretty 36 good size Buy. does it run
0: i don't know i'm a little bit less worried about it running as it being really attractive
1: no original box no papers what
0: buy. it's from the i mean it's from the 60s of course it doesn't have original box and papers you can't get a 2012 explorer with box and papers right now fuck <laughs> uh, nah. so but and and yeah i think i there would be some people out there listening that would have a have a an actual aneurysm there would be car crashes because there's some people wouldn't right. Most people would be like, okay, that all that all tracks. There's some nothing burger controversy, and and I I think I'm gonna use nothing burger, maybe a little bit hyperbole there because there's also something here, but I also don't think it's anything.
1: Well, <sighs> well let's let's take take it yeah. step at a time because we owe it to we owe it to the you guys the conversation to our listeners to talk about a fellow named Rick Murray because at this point we've talked about Doxa the brand we talked about the old Doxa we talked about the new Doxa we've given you all the official facts the Yenny family they own Doxa they started Doxa again in the early first part of the new millennium but that is not the story here No, the story cannot be told without talking about Rick Murray. Now, some of you will know who Rick Murray is. Some of you will not. If you don't know who Rick Murray is, we're going to tell you a little bit now, but you should also read about this guy. Andrew, I think Rick Murray, probably as much as, I won't say more than, probably as much as any other single person. Rick Murray is responsible for the resurgence of dive watch popularity starting in the early 2000s. That's I don't even think that's that much of a hot take. I won't say more than I'm not saying he's the singular guy, but as much as any other single person.
0: Yeah. I mean, I don't think anybody could reasonably refute that.
1: So we gave credit to the Yenny family for reviving Doxa because they purchased the brand in 1997 and then five years later, four or five years later, introduced this Doxa 300T. But the Yenny family didn't do this. Credit to that is properly given to Rick Murray. So Rick Murray was a Microsoft employee. Microsoft employee. And then he leaves Microsoft in the last half of of the '90s, mm-hmm. and devotes himself to dive watches, but he does it in kind of an odd way. So the first thing he does is he acquires this brand that we've talked about already tonight. That was also a zombie. That was also a zombie called Synchron Group. Yep. So mm-hmm. the same Synchron that was built in the that was built in the '70s to grab dying Swiss companies, companies killed by the quartz crisis. It's He's carrying on the Synchron Legacy. Is revived <laughs> in the 90s by Rick Murray to buy these companies, not the same exact companies, but to buy these companies killed by the quartz crisis and bring them back. Yeah, It is really actually kind of a beautiful idea conceptually. Uh, like, oh, this company died trying to do
0: this. I can... I can carry on this legacy. The
1: hibernation is over.
0: Yeah. Yeah, because in the 2000s, we're seeing this resurgence in automatic and mechanical watches. We're seeing the true acceptance of that technology. The, The quartz boom craze really is over. We have some stability. And it's... He struck while well, the iron was hot. Five, yeah. five years later, and this is this is a non-issue. So it's just the early days of the internet, early yep. days of watch
1: forums. John Kerry had just invented it. He, Sal Gore, he is That's the same guy. <laughs> he's very much involved in the populist sort of watch yep. culture at the time, which is the predecessor to our culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's just there regular at the right beards, time. So neck beards with <laughs> regular beards not yeah. I like that. Uh, entrepreneurial spirit, probably some of that Bill Gates money, definitely some of that
0: Bill Gates money leaving in the in the late 90s. yeah.
1: and he's like, let's just fucking do this thing, man. Mm-hmm. let's do this thing. And so in 1999 and he's and and we should say he's a doxa fan. I, I don't know for sure. My gut is he's a Clive Custler reader. In the late 90s. Yeah, I think that's a reasonable guess. And he's like, what's a brother got to do to get a Doxa Sub 300 made? And so he figures out that Doxa's been purchased by the Yenny family. And he gets in an airplane. Because you can do this now. Like You can search this on the internet. Flies to <clears throat> Switzerland and says, hello, Mrs. Yenny, Mr. Yenny, Mr. and Mrs. Yenny, I will have a biscuit. And can we, what can we do about this Doxa brand? Mm -hmm. And they say, no, get the fuck out of here. Nobody wants that old, weird, 70s orange watch. You're wrong. And he's like, no, they do. And they're like, no, they don't. And he's like, look, I'll buy them. I'll buy them. I'll sell them. Let's do this thing. And
0: And everyone wins in this offer. Like you sell me a thousand watches and then they're my problem.
1: Yeah. And, And I don't think that's exactly how they do it. So the story is not crystal clear to me, but I think what you wind up with is a sort of hybrid, not quite a licensing deal, not quite a distribution deal. They basically like stand up a separate arm of the company and make him an independent, third-party administrator for that brand. Very Seagull. And it fucking works. It's an instant hit. The thousand watches all sell out Mm -hmm. by direct sale. So a very modern idea at the time, no retail sales, all of them direct sales. They sell out. And here we are a mirror 20 years later and Dox is one of the, one of the big dogs. Mm -hmm. It's not a Rolex, but it's a big company. It's a a big legacy Swiss company. That's right. And for that whole time, Rick Murray was the general manager of the Doxa subline. All of the things that you know about modern Doxa before 2020 or so, all of those things are Rick Murray. And And they're not Yenny. They're Rick Murray. He still owns Synchron. Okay, well hold on. <laughs> it's important. You're jumping the gun. These cap. are
0: these are things, these are things happening in parallel. Yeah, that's right. These are two projects that he is a part of that are happening in parallel.
1: Yeah. And so Synchron is doing its own thing, right? Yes. Acquiring brands like Isofrain. Yeah. AquaDive. Mm-hmm. Tropic. I think later Aquastar I can't remember I think AquaDive was first Aquastar later I don't know so all these brands that we talk about all the time now without even thinking about them Rick Murray at Synchron Group is picking these things up and running with them Mm -hmm. so I want to say in the first part of 2019 some of the forums I think dive watch forum a couple other forums there's some users uh, who are involved with Doxa involved with dive watches who know Rick Murray personally. Word gets out Rick Murray and Doxa have parted ways. And it instantly becomes clear that it's less than friendly. I won't say it's not amicable because I don't know, but word gets out that there's been tension and that the Yenny family is pulling Doxa back to Switzerland the Doxa sub-brand, mm-hmm. back C- to Switzerland. Yeah.
0: Centralizing the
1: the brand, which makes
0: sense. It, it makes good business sense to have your business consolidated rather than like, I don't know.
1: Well, I don't know that it does, but I don't know that it doesn't either. Um, but in any event... They did it. That's what they did. Yeah. And w- what we don't know is what the terms of the arrangement were. We don't know if there's a settlement con- contract, some sort of severance contract. Um, we don't know anything. I, I Maybe somebody does. And when I say we, I mean. And the reason
0: we don't know anything is because there was. Andrew, right. yeah, yeah, perhaps. If, 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 if there wasn't, we know.
1: And, if, and maybe you guys know more than we do and you can tell us yeah. the, the details on this story. But um, it, it's a settlement contract that I'd probably like to see because of the next thing we're about to tell you.
0: Yeah,
1: So we've said Synchron a handful of times. So there's the Synchron Group started in 1963.
0: Revived in 1999.
1: Revived in, yeah, revived by Rick Murray in the late 90s. And then there's a separate brand, not separate. There's an additional Synchron that you will probably know about because... It's a brand. In March 2021, Rick Murray announced a watch. A Synchron military watch. And if you (laughs) saw that watch for the first time and you said to yourself, huh, this kind of looks like a Doxa. There's a good reason for that because it's a Doxa homage. It's an homage to a late 70s Synchron era Doxa Army watch, probably only issued to the Doxa Army, probably made Swiss. in a quantity. Not, not,
0: not, Doxa didn't ever have an Army, <laughs> to be super clear.
1: <laughs> probably only issued to the Swiss Army, never sold Never sold commercially, and probably fewer than 100 of these things made. If. But people know about them, and it's one of these super rare watches that everyone's like, ah, I got to get one of those. So at just over a year after leaving doxa in less than amicable uh in a less than amicable fashion
0: murky fashion
1: murky fashion yeah. rick murray announces that he's starting a new watch brand and that their first their debut watch is going to be an homage to his old company
0: and i th- and, but not here's the question and, and and i think this is an important question to ask and and Okay. Yes. It's an homage to a doxa. It's an homage to a doxa that was produced by Synchron.
1: Yeah. To a Synchron so a Doxa.
0: Is it an whose homi- IP is it? Yeah. So is it an homage or is it a reissue? And who has that
1: IP? Yeah. You know, it's a really good question. Because
0: when you when you buy a zombie, you get the IP.
1: Yeah, it, it's, a, it's a really good question, and I don't know the answer. My gut would be, as a, and I say this as a lawyer who does not regularly practice IP law, and certainly not IP law in Switzerland. My gut would be that the Doxa brand and any watches released under the Doxa brand would go with the Doxa brand. However, if you see pictures of a late 70s Synchron Doxa army, They say Doxa on the front Mm -hmm. and Synchron on the back. So who knows? It's a bit of a gray area. Also, watch case design, a bit of a gray area. Also, watch dial design, a bit of a gray area. So I think the question is emotionally, spiritually, whatever. Who has the right to make this? And Rick Murray obviously believed believes, I should say.
0: Probably but yeah, probably still holds. He does. Yeah.
1: And I'm not sure Doxa disagrees. However, I think either the next day or perhaps the day that the Doxa military was announced. Rick Murray sends out, or excuse me, Doxa sends out an Instagram post wherein they post a picture of a doxa military i can't tell if this is or a doxa army it looks to me like this is an old watch and they say the doxa army is getting back stay tuned as of now please find an original picture of several executions back in the beginning of the 70s they finished the post with this statement only the original deserves your trust Which indicates to me... There's something... (laughs) that There was a disagreement about whether or not Rick Murray had the right to make this watch. And we're a year later,
0: and this watch isn't yet to be made.
1: Well, yeah, that's right. And, and, you know, to me, it looks like a sub-300T with a PVD case and a funky dial. So... If Doxa was going to make this, they certainly could have made this
0: it, as in that I'm, time. As I'm looking at it, the Synchron Military is still available for pre-order.
1: And I think people have them. So they've already sold watches. They've already sold the Synchron Military. I, I, 900 bucks for that? $950? i
0: am looking. Where is it? Doesn't matter. Nine, it, I, it, yeah, it's it's neighborhood.
1: It's in the nine hundred yeah. to a thousand range, I think. Which is where you'd expect it to be. And I think that brings us current on the story of Doxa.
0: Ooh, it's twelve ninety right now. Oh,
1: 1290 on a bracelet. No, ouch. On a Tropic. <laughs> it's a, a, an actual Tropic.
0: Branded Tropic, yeah.
1: <laughs> owned by the actual Tropic, zombie brand owned by the Synchron Group.
0: I, I, I don't know. I, I think, I think Synchron has the same right to produce this watch that Doxa does.
1: Yeah, well, clearly they have the legal right to produce it, um, you know, because there's a company like, like whatever, uh, what's the name of the, I can never remember what the name of that company is. The, the, the Rolex homage brand that sells watches on Nomon. whatever <laughs> And my point being, it's
0: not Steinhardt. It's uh, yeah, Steinhardt. Yeah, okay.
1: Yeah, yeah, Steinhardt. So my point being, yeah, of course they can make the watch. They have the right to do it. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's an interesting thing that's happened here. Uh, and there's some maybe some chapped asses. Uh, hard to say, but clearly at least some chapped asses. Uh, I, I actually, in researching for this episode, changed my mind about the validity of synchron. Oh. I before today before researching. So so not completely today, but before researching researching for this episode, I felt a little bit dirty about synchron. And I wouldn't I wouldn't say I'm 180 degrees, but let's call it 167. 167 degree turn turn around.
0: Let's just call it a good 169
1: just to <laughs> 69's a better number yeah. always. Yeah, no, I I mean I kind of I yeah. I don't know if I feel bad for Rick Murray. I mean, the Yenny family probably, I assume, made him an extremely wealthy man.
0: And Synchron Or, or I'm gave sure.
1: him the opportunity to become an extremely wealthy man.
0: And, and if nothing else, influential in the world of urology while Synchron was making him a wealthy man.
1: They took they yeah. took a flyer on this guy, this crazy guy from I think he's from California who just showed up at their estate and, right, and they're like, all right, whatever you want, buddy. Yeah, let's do this. Uh, and, and he's obviously made the any family extremely wealthy, uh, which is, sounds like they were already wealthy, but yeah. So I, I, mean, I think I'm on, I think I'm on team Rick Murray at this point. I'm on team. These watches are dope. These watches are dope.
0: The, the legacy behind the synchron military is cool the legacy behind the doxa army is cool both watches i think have a place
1: yeah and, and i and i and i want to i want to take an opportunity here to chastise the people who chastise the zombie brands because one day you're a zombie brand and one day you're a player making serious cool watches that you want to own and you want to have so it just takes, it, it, it's just um, simply a matter of perspective.
0: Yeah, I mean, when you consider Doxa began 123 years ago and wasn't producing watches for 25 of them, that's it's not, I mean, that's a significant amount of time. It's not all that significant against the amount of time that brand has been alive. Yeah. It's significant for somebody who's, you know, f- between 30 and 40 years old who's only become reacquainted
1: with it, but Yeah. It's not that long. You know, w- when we started in this journey, Andrew. And I mean even before we started the show. 2015, Doxa had been revived at that point for 13 years which was less than half of our lives you know here we are a few years later and now it's now it's more than half my life uh which i think changes in my mind it's like when you hear like the dinosaurs are like t-rex is more recent than the brontosaurus or whatever i don't know like
0: like more yeah yeah, like we lived closer to the T Rex than something else.
1: Yeah, no, right. I, I, I'm, it, I'm there it's, with you. It's like one of those things you have to kind of squint your eyes. But I, I guess all all that to say, like, yeah, uh, one day a zombie brand, the next day just a th- a brand, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, it's all a matter of perspective.
0: Well, especially when you consider how many how many brands died during the Quartz Crisis. Yeah, or, or came so close to death that they, that they were they were putting nails in the coffin.
1: I guess all that to say I'm cool with the zombie brands.
0: I'm down with the zombie brands. I'm also, Bring them back.
1: I'm down with Synchron.
0: Down I, with Synchron. I like the Synchron. I'm down military. with Rick Murray.
1: I also love the 300T. I think I'm going to go buy an isofran and a Tropic just be, just for shits and giggles. Just, they're, they're, yeah. too <laughs> they're too expensive. They're too expensive. Those straps are too expensive. But I think I'm going to go buy them anyway just because oh. I think it's kind of a cool thing they're doing.
0: I'm going to buy a Doxa Military and a Sub 300T. <laughs>
1: You can't buy a Doxa military. No, oh, yeah, Synchron military. You could buy a Doxa army probably if you had more money than you had. No, I mean. The Doxa armies, there was only ever a hundred of them made. They only ever come up every once in a while, and they're outrageously expensive. I could mortgage the house. <laughs> You'd need a bigger house. <laughs>
0: I mean, I get a down payment on the watch. <laughs> Rare Doxa Army Dive Watch for sale. No trades. Eighty five hundred bucks on watch you seek. That's not that much money. That's not that much that's money. Super but like, I I get I that's in, the, get that's the, in lo- the range of affordable. I'd get in a lot of trouble, <laughs> but I'd have one. God,
1: I'd be in a lot of trouble. But this is. I helped sad. a friend buy a Panerai five ten today.
0: Yeah, I know. I th- I think I'm glad you talked about that Breitling, <laughs> knowing that he he went five ten, Andrew. Other things. What do you got, man? Oh, I you know, my other thing is is a little bit lame, but it's something I'm very excited about. Tell me more. I've talked about Yellowstone before, and I ripped through the first three seasons while it was available on Peacock. I
1: just watched the fourth season.
0: And then they did this weird thing where you had to have A different streaming platform to stream season four. Paramount Plus. Yeah. You had to have Paramount Plus. Because it's a Paramount Plus show. It's a Paramount Plus show. I get that. But it was also streaming on Peacock. It wasn't streaming on the Paramount. On the Paramount Network? Platform. You could either watch it live or pay. or, Or DVR. You could also, you have that option. Or pay for their streaming service to watch that. But on March 28th, Season four drops on Peacock, which I already pay for. Yeah. And I can't pay for any more streaming services. And I'm jacked. March twenty eighth and 29th and thirtieth. I will I I'm gonna sit on my couch. I'm gonna bring a cooler to the couch filled with beer and lunchables and watch television. Is
1: your other thing a show you haven't watched? It's season four. Would you like me to talk about it? Be- would you like me to talk about your other other thing? Because I've just watched it,
0: and I, if you talk about it, I will. I will cause injury.
1: <laughs> I will say this: it was really good.
0: You know, it was really good because the 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 hang that you got, and I I I, I bought episode one on Prime just because I needed a little fix. So I did watch episode one of okay. season four. Okay. Uh,
1: so, so what you know, the end of season three is nuts. Fucking bananas. And the nuts continues into episode one. Yeah. I would say the general tenor settles. It calms down a little bit. It's a little less crazy. The transition from four to five is going to be a bit more subdued. I think it's because they realized they were doing, they were working too hard. But that was a big goddamn transition. It's one of the craziest... End of season transitions that I can remember. I think I've said this on the show before.
0: It was like Game of Thrones level. You can accept that that kind of craze in a fantasy series. It's hard in a drama. Like in, in a in a not
1: period or sci-fi drama, you know. The best finale in television, season finale, not not series finale. The best season finale in the history of television is the season four finale of breaking bad if you haven't seen it you you need to watch at least yeah at least episode seasons one through four of breaking bad so that you can watch with fully informed you can watch the end of season four of breaking bad it is perhaps yeah one of the greatest three seconds of television ever yeah I I don't say that lightly it is.
0: I don't know. There's a lot of Game of Thrones three-second periods that I liked a lot.
1: It's incredible. If you if you don't know what I'm talking about, if you know, you know. Yeah. And if you don't know, you should, you should know. You should find out because it is. You
0: have 40 hours to allocate to this.
1: Oh, my God. Yeah. And I think that this is not at that level. But the end of season three, beginning of season four of Yellowstone is pretty crazy. It feels like that. So, and season four is good. It's a different, te- it's a little bit different tone. Which
0: is good because in in season three, it was starting to get weird. They were starting to have to, they were they were just fabricating drama for drama's sake. Yeah. It's like, there's enough drama already here. Like you, you don't really need <laughs> as much as you're listen, putting in. Listen, settle down, Duttons. Yeah. yeah. Reel it in a little bit.
1: <laughs> there's just no way that this many people are out to get you. Right. And, and they actually do. They wind up reeling some of that in. Which, yeah. They needed to. Yeah. Uh, and, and also, Kim and I are now watching 1883. Yeah. You so texted like, me about that. I
0: didn't understand your texts initially. Oh. You you wrote like, Toby Keith is bad. Not Toby Keith. <laughs> Tim McGraw. Tim, Tim McGraw, bad faith, Hill, okay, or some, something along yeah.
1: those lines. I think you had said when you talked about I this, was surprised at how... I was surprised by their performances. I, I actually think Tim McGraw is a fairly awful actor. Uh, four or five episodes into this, now I think Faith Hill's okay. I actually think she's been better than okay. She's been good. I'm just I'm surprised at how well they're performing. It's not like like you've seen Trace Adkins
0: acting, right? You've seen those those <laughs> westerns that Trace Adkins is in because he's such a big country star, and you're like, man, this guy's this guy's terrible. You could you could put. Animated Cartman in his place, and I would be just
1: as convinced. I don't think Tim McGraw's a lot better. Uh, you think, you made me think that there was going to be something better than it is. Uh, I
0: think I think Tim McGraw's head and shoulders better than Trace Adkins. If if I mean if you haven't seen Trace Adkins in any movies or television shows, then to pass on them.
1: If you and if you haven't listened to Tim McGraw's everywhere, you should listen to it. That's like my the, that's also summer of 97 for me
0: the rest of the cast outside <laughs> of tim and faith are great though right yeah really good and, and
1: faith faith is pretty good too but they 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 yep.
0: i don't i don't think they limited it yeah uh okay you must have another thing
1: i have another thing okay uh i have another thing i sent you the other thing as i sit here right now i can't remember what i sent you so it's dinner rolls fluffy dinner rolls which makes me think that you're
0: on keto again because you're like lusting after bread no
1: no not on keto uh no so i have been making dinner rolls
0: i don't have all access free for two weeks
1: i've been making dinner rolls um and i've tried a handful of recipes I think I've tried four or five different recipes at this point, and I picked a winner. Out of the four or five, I've tried. I've picked a winner, and it's not close. Nothing. Uh,
0: if, yeah, no, you continue, sorry.
1: It's not close. I have made, and dinner rolls are good, right? You make dinner rolls, and it's like. Even Whoa. shitty dinner rolls are good. right? <laughs> if you cook them long enough. And they're made well and they rise and everything. They're good. And, and, you know, it's you use commercial yeast, right? So you're going to get a good rise. You're going to get, you know, as long as you basically do everything right, it's going to be fine. And they're going to be delicious. One recipe has kicked the shit out of the others. Like the others were B minuses and this one was the A+++ like the I can't believe you did that that was so good. Here's all the extra credit. Uh and that is the Cook's Illustrated Fluffy Dinner it's, Roll. Cuz Test Kitchen
0: is fucking phenomenal. You're not going to find better and like simple, easy, absolutely like n- knock your socks off good recipes than Test Kitchen. They're the fucking best.
1: It's the shit, man. So these are good. I think that a lot of the goodness comes in the way you prep them. And in fact, I don't think I got the recipe on Cooks Illustrated. I got the recipe somewhere else. Um, And when they described it, I was like, what? I I have no clue what you're telling me to do. And then I pulled up a YouTube video and it's really clear. Like, oh, okay, I get it. Mm -hmm. But you have to like... You know, you do a rise and then you knock it down and you do another rise and then you knock it down and then <laughs> you make it into a rectangle and you like have to cut it like the rectangle has to be the size and then you have to cut it into pieces and you have to take the pieces and you have to stretch them out and then you have to roll them. Mm-hmm. And I was like, like reading this, I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? Just watch the video. <laughs> watch the video. Pull the pa- Pull the recipe up. And before you start, watch the video super easy to make a little harder than the others to make frankly you do them in a round pan Mm -hmm. they break apart and oh my gosh flaky and because you roll them they get like sort of a spiral Mm -hmm. layer yeah because you
0: you flatten them and then roll them up like you just like yep spiral them twist them together
1: yep that like like a cinnamon roll almost yeah um Dude. So
0: I do my French bread. It's really fluffy, but also dense all at the same time.
1: So, so, so good. And so much better than the reds. So, uh, if you're in the mood to make a dinner roll, and you just should, right? Like, (laughs) we make dinner rolls. We'll make them on Saturday morning and just eat them through the weekend. Mm -hmm. You know, I'll, like, have one with a meal. And, you know, midnight stack, do a a grilled peanut butter and jelly dinner roll. Uh, Almost anything you can do with a dinner roll. And, yeah, it's a fun... Like, you make them Saturday morning with the kids. Betty and I have been making them together. And then you just nibble on them through the weekend. Uh, yeah. Mm. cook If you're going to do it, though, Cooks Illustrated. Yep. I think you like... If you go to Cooksillustrated.com, you've got to, like, pay for it. But you can pull the YouTube video up for yep. free.
0: They have a really good magazine. They do really good, like, kitchen gear reviews. And if you're not familiar with America's Test Kitchen, they're yeah. they're related. And Test Kitchen is...
1: I think it's one of their acquired brands, right?
0: That's what they do. They yeah. they test their recipes, and they're like, "Hey, we, you know, we did this ninety five different ways. This is the way we picked." And here's some pro tips that yeah. we learned on our ten thousand attempts at this single recipe.
1: You know, America's Test Kitchen, uh, <laughs> really good YouTube channel, mm-hmm. uh, and they do a lot of fun videos. I do understand that there was some um, some tension in the in the brand a while back, but I don't know. I don't care about all that. They make good, they make good material and that's and it. their cookbooks are nice. Good content. Yeah. I've got an America's test kitchen. Three
0: ring spiral. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Yeah.
1: Good stuff. Simple, easy to do recipes. That's mm-hmm. what they do. Like this is how you actually have to do this thing. Mm-hmm. Andrew, that's all I've got. Do you got anything else? I'm a lot of things, man.
0: I got to go to bed.
1: <laughs> yeah, you do. I got a long drive. Well, uh, Thanks for doing this for me on on a, on a Saturday night right before you, you leave. And thanks you for joining us for this episode of 40 and 20 The Watch Clicker Podcast. You can check us out on Instagram at 40and20 at The Watch Clicker, but also check us out on our website, watchclicker.com. That's where we post every single episode of this podcast, but also weekly reviews, articles, some pretty good stuff on there. Just check it out, watchclicker.com. If you want to support Watch clicker 40 and 20. You can do that at patreon.com slash 40 and 20. That's where we get all the support for the show, including hosting, microphones, cords. Mm-hmm. We got to buy cords, those are expensive.
0: We got rabbits, they chew right through them.
1: Patreon.com slash 40 and 20. And don't forget to tune in next week for another hour of watches, food, drinks, life, and other things we like. Bye bye.